Welcome to Oyana, a teenager's journey to self-love. Our mission is to inspire, educate and empower, helping teenagers and parents to navigate through life and connect with their inner self. I'm your host, Carol Oakley, and thank you for tuning in. And if it's your first time, a big, big welcome. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for the support. I really, really appreciate it. Now, just a little reminder before we sort of get on with the show, just to, you know, check out my website and sign up for my monthly uh, newsletter. And of course, you know, if you're looking for some sort of coaching or mentoring, of course, you know, all my programs are on there. So please check me out. Now, today I've got two lovely young ladies. Um, Their names are Kira and Dina, and they're the co-founders of Future Focused Parenting, an organisation that helps families start with the end in mind. Together they co-host the popular podcast Raising Adults which discusses a wide range of parenting topics. They encourage families to be proactive and intentional so they can thrive rather than just survive on their parenting journey. Now Kira and Dina are both parent coaches and most importantly they are parents themselves. Now, today they're here to discuss communication and emotional intelligence, specifically how parents can set up an emotionally safe environment for teens to talk, as well as how communication needs to look different for teens and young adults compared to young children. So without further ado, say hello to Kara and Dina. How are you doing? Hello. Hi, (laughs) thanks for having us today. Oh, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Thanks for thanks for joining me. How's how Seattle? How's Seattle these days? It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I suppose I it's mean, like anywhere in the world at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. My house is great. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm getting really cozy here. I feel like I know every nook and cranny of it. So <laughs> uh-huh. I hear you. I hear you. I hope you're getting out though. That's very important. We all got to get yeah. out and get a bit of fresh air and do a little bit of exercise, which is yes. Like, yeah. Definitely. And that's and that's a, a, a little bit. Uh, anyone who is familiar, any of your listeners who might be familiar with the Pacific Northwest in the United States, it is a little tricky because we go through kind of a long gray <laughs> season here where maybe it's not raining, but it's just kind of blah. So yeah. I think what you said is so important, especially you know, with the given current situation too, to kind of push through that and still yes. at least get some fresh air. Yeah. It's not, not always as inviting when you don't see the sun, but you got to try. Yeah. You just got to go with it, go with the flow, you know, cause uh, Bust out the rain boots. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing we've got in control of is our, you know, we can do exercise. So, you know, yeah. I, th- I think with these times we have to try and focus on things that, um, yeah, we can, we can, be, be in control of and, and, and deal with. So that's right. Uh, I was yeah. someone who never exercised and now I exercise all the time. COVID, oh, was, COVID was the thing that, that made that happen. It was yeah. like, I, it was my mental health, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I've become quite the little workout bunny. Thanks Amazing. to COVID. <laughs> Amazing. <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> now, Dina and Kira, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, a little bit about your journey? Yeah, so we both came to the parent coaching world from different areas. So I'll let Kira share in a moment how she got here. But yeah. but how I started is since 2002, I've been a doula 
and a childbirth educator. So I've helped families when they're in labor and with their birth process and also doing childbirth ed while they were expecting Mm -hmm. and love that. That is such a special thing to be invited into. Um, But it, it, it started to feel like I wasn't totally aligned with my true passion mm. and what was happening. And Kira saw this too, and she might allude to it, but there's a big focus on the day you become a parent. You know, we, we take classes and we do all these things to get ready. And then who's there to help us for the next 18 plus, plus, plus years. Right. Yeah. And so I, I was noticing that I really, I was really interested in getting getting focus on the after part too, um, just because that is so important. And of course the birthing day is critical. And I love Mm -hmm. that there are great tools and resources in place for that. I think that needs to be there, but there was this sort of growing unrest in me. That's like, but that's not where it ends. That's actually just the beginning of a whole chapter of parenting. And so being a person who's passionate about intentional parenting, I started to feel that. So I came here kind of Uh, indirectly through the birth and early parenting world as a doula and birth educator. Yeah. And I came through a completely different route. I uh, am a mental health professional, but really similar to what Dina was saying. So I was, you know, I had a private practice here in Seattle and then I was also teaching childbirth classes alongside of that. And what I found is that I was similar to Dina. I was helping these, you know, families prepare, but not really getting to see them on the other side. And then in my private practice, I was helping adults unpack what happened to them in their childhood and seeing oh, these no. patterns and kind of going, wow, you know, if parents knew how to prevent that, mm. you wouldn't end up on my couch. How do I, I had a whole thing. I had a whole seminar I wrote called like how to keep your kids off my couch. And so what I realized is that if I moved into the parent coaching realm with everything I had learned from working with clients and having this private practice, if I could empower parents to actually be the kind of parents that can prevent some of those things, we would actually help the next generation not have to unpack the way that a lot of my clients were having to. Um, And Dina was actually my doula for my birth of my twins. Very Um, special. That was my first twin birth. Amazing. And so we've been in each other's lives for forever. And just, I have been pushing for forever. Like, when are we going to work together? Because this woman is phenomenal. And I've been like, we need to work together. How are we going to work together? When are we going to work together? (laughs) And and now we finally do. And she still loves me, even though I'm clearly a little bit crazy about her. So... Oh, that's brilliant. What a lovely story, you know, that you both connected and you're now doing, you know, great things, you know, it's, that's, that's brilliant. That's, that's incredible. So, so inspirational. So how are things going? How, how are future, you know, focused parenting? How, how, how you, how's that going in, you know, as a, as a initiative? Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I think I do speak for both of us that we love it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and it is really, we're both really stepping into things that we care about and, and we're, we care about each other, which I think makes a difference. I think sometimes it's so challenging to cross over into business with someone that you're friends with or have worked with in another capacity. Yes. And I'm just really proud of that piece too. We seem to have really done it seamlessly and we still just love each other to pieces, which is so special. But what's really powerful about it is we are actually hearing feedback from families that they're being impacted by this way of thinking instead of how do I get 
this behavior to stop right in the moment. Mm. They're thinking, okay, who's that adult that I'm trying to raise? And what will I do now that will impact that? It's yes. just a total mental shift. And so that's been really powerful to hear uh, the ways that's transforming families. And also it's been really fun just doing the podcast with her too. Yeah. And um, that's, it's a blast for us to get to chat about, about parenting, which we love to talk about. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant, brilliant. Now tell me girls, what is whack-a-mole parenting? Because that was another thing. Why <laughs> that kind of that also was a I don't know a, a reason for you to you know go down this down down this yeah. path. Yeah. What is well, that? And we did not coin this phrase. So shout out <laughs> Melissa Lieberman at the Corporate Mom Club because she coined this phrase, and we were like, "That's it. That's what we're trying to avoid." <laughs> If you think about a game of whack-a-mole where, you know, do you have this game? I know you have it, but you must call it something else. But yeah. it's like where a little like frog or a mole pops up and you have a little, it's a kid game. At, at oh, an yes. Arcade. And you, you try and, yes. And so it pops up and you hammer and it pops up and you hammer. Yeah. And you're just trying to keep up with the, all the frogs popping oh. up or all the moles popping up. And I think a lot of parents parent that way. It's like, oh, this thing happened. I got to fix it. I'm going to uh... whack it. And this thing happened, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to whack it. Instead of thinking about if I take this long range view Mm -hmm. and I think about being intentional and actually, and we talk about this all the time, being preventative Mm -hmm. in our parenting um, and proactive instead of reactive. Sometimes what, and often what that means is less moles pop up because Mm -hmm. we're thinking in advance and we're laying a foundation that sets us up for success and we're taking that short-term pain, long-term gain approach, you're going to see less and less moles popping up. And then when they do, you're not whacking it. You're actually prepared. You know exactly what you're going to do. And then if it takes a a little bit of a side swipe or a curve, you can handle that because you were prepped for it. Mm. And you can be flexible because most of the pieces are in place and, oh, this went differently. So I got to kind of go like this. Does that make sense? So instead of this like crazy frantic, I'm just trying to survive the game. I'm actually on top of it and feeling empowered as a parent because Mm -hmm. I'm parenting with intention. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I mean, in terms of parenting with intention, what, so what sort of tools do you put in place or do you give to parents to, you know, to, to start? thinking intentionally and thinking in a way ahead. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple foundational pieces that we talk about uh, and I can just at least share the first one and then Kira, you can piggyback. But one of the first things we talk about is parenting from a strong why. So that's that intentional piece. You've heard us mention already a couple of times when parents know why they're making the choices they are, they are often much better equipped to make the choice that's best rather than just the one that's easy or expedient in the moment, like that putting out fires (laughs) analogy. And so we really encourage families to get clear on their why. And we're we're talking even boiling it down to a a word or a short phrase. What is your why? And, And another way to think about that in terms of our idea of raising adults is what are you aiming at for that adult you're trying to raise. So Mm. just to share ours, Kira's why is she's looking to raise mentally and emotionally healthy and happy children. That's it. In a nutshell, that's what she's aiming at. And then that will inform the rest of her choices. My why is raising children with a strong moral compass. So we're going after like character and integrity. That's it. Short little phrase, but now we have a why that drives Mm. all those other choices. Yeah. That is so powerful. That is so powerful because you're you're right. I mean, most of the time we just parent, don't we? We just kind of take each day as it comes and we just, 
deal with things as and when they pop up. But when you do, and I, I guess what you're saying, they are your core values, aren't you? And your core values <laughs> are your drive, are your drivers. They make, you know, they, they make you want to work with things or make gives you the decisions on how to move forward in in life so um I really love that it's just being in touch with your core values because that will help you drive you know drive forward you're amazing because you led us to our second pillar oh sorry no no no, it's perfect you did that like it, it, it to me it's like I love when situations like that crop up and and we can actually see that our our steps work right yeah so Start with the why. And then the second pillar is uphold your values. And we really encourage families know what your values are because oftentimes we have them, but we haven't articulated them. Uh And so we actually encourage families, make a list of your top five to 10 family Mm. values, define them and parent toward them. And so those little values, you know, the five to 10 values are kind of like, if you think of an umbrella, so you've got your overarching why, which is, you know, peanut kids of integrity for me, mentally healthy and happy people. Um, and then those five to 10 values are underneath that. Those are the things that then are the steps that we take to help raise that adult that's of integrity or mentally healthy and happy, et cetera. And when you write out those values, then like mine are up on the wall and I parent toward them all the time. I'll say to my kids like, wow, that was a really kind choice. We value kindness in our house. Thank you for making a kind choice. Or the flip of that, you know, that didn't seem like the kindest choice. We value kindness in our house. Could you make a kinder choice? Mm-hmm. So you start in, you instill these values because you're constantly talking about them, parenting toward them and helping your kids unpack these big words like integrity, yeah. <laughs> right? But you're giving them these real world examples of, you know, hey, that was a great example of showing integrity. Thank you for doing that. We value integrity in our home. Mm-hmm. So that's the- and it's really, I think that's so powerful too. I mean, you can hear how different that is. The whack-a-mole parent says, stop hitting your sister. The future focused parent says, oh, you know what? I noticed that you were unkind with your sister. We value kindness in our family. Can you tell me how you could have done that more kindly? Mm. Tying it to that value, aiming for what they're aiming at, very different interaction than just trying to quelch the behavior in the moment because we're aiming at something different. So really powerful. And I love that you got there. Like you even mentioned, like this is parenting from your values. Yes, exactly. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So do you, do the children, do you get the children to write their own values on top of your values? That's a great question. Um, it depends on the age of the kids. So I think okay. if you're doing this, you know, your, your show focuses on teens. So if you're doing this with teens, mm-hmm. they should absolutely be a part of the conversation. However, Dina and I say a lot, and I say this to my kids all the time, and I know she said it, says it to hers, your opinion really matters to me. I'm going to make the final decision, but I really want to hear what you think. And that is so important, particularly with teens, that we Mm -hmm. see them as a whole human, that their opinion matters, that their worldview matters, their perspective matters. And we want to take that into consideration in our home, but ultimately I'm still the parent and I'm still going to make the final decision. So I would say, bringing kids to the table who are old enough to understand what a value is and talk about it. You know, what do you think the values in our home should be? What are the things that matter to us? But then ultimately have the parents write the list. Amazing. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. So, I mean, you're here to obviously talk about communication and emotional intelligence. Please enlighten, enlighten (laughs) us, enlighten me, enlighten our our listeners. (laughs) Well, I think for communication, to happen effectively, first we have to create that 
emotionally safe environment. Mm -hmm. and, a, and a lot of times this foundation is laid early, but I really want to encourage your listeners, teens, young adults, and parents alike, that it's not too late. It's never too late to set this up. And, and so Kira, maybe you can share some of your framework for just that emotional intelligence piece. And then we can talk about the nuts and bolts of communication. But I really believe it's important just to say that at the outset, that it's not too late okay. and that positive communication can really happen when you have that emotionally safe environment. Okay. I think particularly with teens, the idea that we don't, we don't always have to fix the problem. We have to hear the problem. Mm. And I think that a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this too, because we love our kids. Yeah. We just want to solve the problem for them and help them figure <laughs> yeah. out the solution. Um, but the reality is oftentimes they just want to be heard. They want a safe place for their feelings to be there. And they want us to hear, hear them and walk with them while they feel it without judging yes. them, right? Without reacting in some huge way. Dina has this great phrase called the I'm not shocked face, like how you have to practice your I'm not shocked face with, with kids of all ages. Um, so there's a framework that we use at Future Focused Parenting. It's called the three N's. Okay. And Oftentimes we're talking about implementing this with little kids, but I want to share it. And then I want to talk about how it applies to teenagers. Okay. So the framework is three N's and the first N is name it. Second N is normalize it. And third N is nurture it. And so how this looks with littles is as they're learning to even recognize their feelings and you can tell that they're feeling something and having a big reaction, you want to start by helping them name it so that as they get older, they can name it for themselves. So oh. I can see you're feeling very frustrated, right? So helping yes. them go, this feeling I'm feeling, that means frustrated, right? Mm -hmm. As they get older, they start coming to you and going, mom, I'm really frustrated. And that's the goal. And so with teens, that might be how you hear it, or you might see it or hear it in a slightly different way. The second N, and this is the one almost all parents skip, and in my humble opinion, is the single most important one, and that okay. is normalize it. We are so quick as parents to say, don't be scared. Oh, don't mm. worry about that test. Oh, you'll yes. be fine. And what we're doing is dismissing the feeling instead of saying, you know, that makes sense to me. Mm. Or, you know, like, I'm really nervous about my math quiz. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I used to get nervous when I took math quiz quizzes too, like, because yeah. we did, right? It's very normal to have all these feelings. So as parents, one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is to normalize what's happening for them. Yes. You're not crazy for feeling that way. I felt that way too. Totally mm -hmm. normal, which also helps kids recognize that they'll be fine <laughs> because yes. if you've been through it and you can normalize that for them, then they recognize they've, they've, you know, can get through it too. Mm -hmm. So with teens, what this means is when a, a kiddo is going through something, you want to normalize that for them. If they're having friend drama because all teens do. Please normalize that. Who didn't have friend drama growing up? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that makes sense to me. Teen friendships can be challenging. I had an experience and you can share your own stories if they're open to it. Sometimes teens don't really want to know, yeah. but the littlers really like it. So we're helping them understand what am I feeling? And then we're normalizing it for them. It's okay to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then the third end is the nurture piece, which is really a question of how do we help them process that feeling? Mm -hmm. How do, what are we going to do with that feeling? And Dina can talk more about what that looks like um, on the teen side, but okay. those are, that's the framework, name it, normalize it, nurture it. Love it. Yeah. Really, really, powerful. really helpful. Yeah. Really, it's really helpful. Amazing. See why I love working with someone who's come from the mental health world. Like this is, <laughs> this is, this is the benefit. And, and what, what maybe I bring in is I'm already in this season. So I, I didn't say this at the top, but my kids are 17, 18, 19, 20, and 22. Wow. So 
So we're in the thick of this teen and young adult world. And this framework that, that Kira just shared is so powerful. And again, it's not too late to implement it. It just means a couple of things that will shift slightly. Number one, that first N, name it, really becomes more like notice it with mm -hmm. an older child. They already know what anger or frustration or exasperation is, but we're going to maybe help them notice it because sometimes with teens and young adults, and if you are one, you know, you might have a tendency to just stuff it or it comes out in some different way where you're maybe getting sassy with your parents, or mm -hmm. it's really not looking like what it actually is. Yeah. So encouraging teens and young adults to notice that emotion that's coming up for them. Hey, you know what? I noticed that you snapped at me and I know there's a test on Thursday. Is it possible that you're nervous about that and helping them like notice, oh, you know what? That That is what's going on. Yeah. So they might not need the vocabulary for what the emotion is, but we're getting them to kind of notice it. And then as Kira said, the normalized piece especially can't be skipped in this age range because I think we see a really high incidence with things like anxiety, depression, mm. things like that in teens. And I think part of that is they think they must be alone in this experience. Yeah. No one has ever felt as low as I've felt. No one has ever felt this lonely. I'm yeah. sure that other people have more friends or when they look in the mirror that they like what they see. And as much as we can come alongside and say, you know what, I really struggled with not liking my nose when I was in high school or you know what? I went through a whole season where all my friends kind of turned their back on me. I just want you to know that happens sometimes. And that's really hard. Yes. And they need to know they're not alone in those experiences. And then I think with the nurture piece, obviously that might look different with older, older ones as well. They might actually need to nurture it by having some space. And as hard as that is, for parents to sometimes hear, sometimes a break from people is how they're going to process yeah. and come out. Now we need to watch, of course, that it doesn't become an unsafe kind of isolation and we're not seeing other things that are concerning. But the difference as a parent of a four-year-old who can come in and go, all right, let me give you some tools to help you calm down. <laughs> you might not want to do that with a 17-year-old. It might look something like, hey, are you interested in talking about this? So we ask for that invitation. And if they say, no, thank you, we need to be okay with that. It yeah. also might look like maybe they want to talk with us through the noticing the feelings and the normalizing. But then when we ask, you know, how they want to process it, it might be like, you know what, actually I'm, I'm ready to be alone in my room for a little bit. And then yeah. that needs to be okay. And that's really hard. Cause again, like Kira said, we want to help. And sometimes it feels really helpless when we can't swoop in and fix it. Yeah. But the ultimate goal here, if we're raising adults is that they learn to process their emotions and come out the other side and that we're not always doing it for them. Mm. And then with them, eventually the handoff happens and they're doing it. Yeah. Love it. That's just so powerful. And it is, isn't it girls? I think it is very much about respecting our children or our children's feelings. Cause we were, we were young once, weren't we, you know, and I think it is really important to tell our children or realize that they, you know, they are going through, they're growing up, you know, they're growing up, they're going through, certain things in their life and it's kind of respecting that as well and just letting them know that where are we are here for them you know we are definitely there for them and not being able to dictate to them or to tell them because everyone's experience is different you know we would have gone through something that they've gone through but we may have sort of processed it differently um to what their process how they're processing it but it's very much about telling them that yeah this is pretty much, this is normal. You know, you're just going with the flow now. It will be better. You know, we're here and we can talk about it. And it is all about the talking about it and how they can move forward 
from from that space that they're in or where yeah, I love I love that you mentioned the respect piece because especially in this age population it is about starting to respect also who they're becoming and that yeah. they're autonomous they're separate from us and respecting their independence and I think some of this is also just demonstrating that we believe they can get through it you know what mm. I know that I know that you can work through this and that confidence in them is a way to honor them in a respectful way so I, I really like that that respect term that needs to be present as well for healthy communication. Yeah, exactly. I said, Sorry, oh, Kara. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just saying it, and it just kind of empowers them, isn't it? It's about empowering our, you know, our children so that you know when they do become adults, they're much more powerful in dealing with situations, you know. And it is like you said, it's being intentional and and looking at the the future of how they're going to be as adults because if you don't obviously if we don't instill certain things in them now then the deprogram and that's the reason why I kind of put this platform together because I'm realizing like yourself is that if we can get to our children at a young age the deprogramming will be less than yes. when we, when they get ad, become adults so um I it's think all about those coping mechanisms yes. you know that's the thing is that we, we have to teach them these healthy coping mechanisms yeah. that because life is going to throw all kinds of things their way. And so one of, I think the best parts of the three ends approach is one of the coping mechanisms is the normalizing to be able to do that for themselves. You know, like I say to my kids all the time, my kids are nine, nine nine-year-old twins. And I say all the time, you can't get through life without fill in the blank, being embarrassed, making a mistake, hurting a friend, being hurt by a friend, you know, all these things. So oftentimes what makes our struggles so real is that, we are surprised that we are having a hard experience. And when we help our kids grow into knowing, oh, look at this, here I am having a hard experience. Well, that's quite normal because everyone has them because you can't get through life without being embarrassed. It doesn't make that yucky feeling go away, but normalizing it allows kids and teens to, you know, go, oh, this is, this is just part of life and I need to be able to cope with it. Yeah, yeah. And also, I, th- I think it's, letting them know that a lot of the time it's because we're putting meaning to things you know it's our perspective we're looking at things from our own perspective and our perspective perspective is not always right you know it's what we put up the meaning we put towards things so if we can just shift that meaning again that's another tool that can put them into a different space absolutely Mm. absolutely what are the sort of like the common communication breakdowns you come across with 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 young children or with teens? <laughs> uh-huh. uh, well, I think in this age group, one of the things that that we have to watch for is uh, the shutdown. Yeah. So that's what I mentioned before that that tendency maybe to just stuff it, and I don't want to talk at all. Yeah. And there there again, there can be some room for I need a break or I need alone time to process. What we want to be careful about is that we still are at least getting to the point where we can talk about these feelings, normalize them and move through them. So we've got to be on guard for that. And I think you see that a lot with teens and especially the teen and parent thing, which we're here to debunk the myth that the teen years have to be representative of we don't really talk to each other. They don't have to look like that. But I think some people go in kind of white knuckling it like, oh, I'm about to go into these years where we're probably not going to talk a lot. And it doesn't have to be that way. It can actually be a really great time of growth. But if you've got 
maybe a foundation that wasn't laid and your teen has got that shut down tendency, you might have to work at these three ends to kind of draw them out because the communication piece is so helpful, even as your, as your child grows. And those of you who are teens and young adult, you know, that as you navigate the world, communication is really key for navigating the world successfully as an adult. So we do have to learn to come out of that and, yes. and to embrace that. And so Kira and I talk a lot about walking this very fine line between really embracing how your, how your child is wired mm. and also encouraging growth. And so I think this shutdown is an area where you can do that. You can embrace and respect that you may have a teen or young adult that is wired a little more toward that introspection. They maybe need to look inward first before they're ready to talk. So we can respect that while still encouraging, you know what, when you're ready, let's chat about this. Let's talk about this experience. Let me share maybe a time when this happened to me so I can yeah. normalize it for you. So it's that it's that gentle line because we do want to honor where we are. We, we're not going to force them. You know what? No, you can't go think about it in your room. We're going to talk right now. Well, that's probably not going to be well received. <laughs> so it's that, it's that line of respect how they're wired, but encourage the growth in communication and sharing, which is so important. Brilliant. But that's yeah. definitely one that you see is the tendency to shut down. It can be a real common pitfall. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. And I think just Sorry, to Kim. piggyback off of that, just for a second, is yes. also be thinking as parents about, you know, how do I create a trusting relationship with my child yes. where they feel comfortable coming to me so they uh-huh. don't shut down? I think teens do. I mean, like, like that is so common. Mm-hmm. But what Dina was saying is exactly right. That it doesn't have to be this, you know, really tense relationship if we can create a, a trusting home and a trusting situation where your teen can come to you and say, here's how I'm feeling. And you've got your, I'm not shocked face on. And, you know, and you're really just listening. You're really just listening and showing up. They are more likely to come back to you again, but it's hard because teens are dealing with really intense stuff. And anybody who's listening, who's a teen, you know, right. (laughs) This is real. This is real and hard and intense stuff. And so as parents, when we hear that our child is struggling with something real and intense, being able to just come back to that place of, I want to listen, I want to hear, I'm not going to respond right away. That creates that trusting environment for the child to come back again. And that's what we want. We actually, more than fixing the problem, I want my kids to just keep coming back. I want to know, I want to be let in. I want to be able to just be aware of what's happening so I can walk alongside them. And we do that by building that trust. And part of how we build that trust is what we talked about earlier, where we're also saying in other situations, I value your input. What do you think? What's your plan for this? You know, like really giving them messages again and again and again. I think you're great and capable and, and, and a really in, in wonderful human that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So I want to know your thoughts. I want to know your opinions. And then as often as you can as a parent going with that to show them that it's true. You do value their opinion. You do yeah. value their input. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, so, so powerful because it is, it really it comes down to having an open space and open communication with your you know with your teens isn't it knowing that they can come to you for anything and and everything you know without being judged and it's about creating a non-judgmental space which is Mm. I think like you said it's just so 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 important um are there any any books or resources you can sort of share with our you know share with our listeners that can sort of help them you know, with their, you know, with their parenting or with our, with our teens. 
you know, if they're going through, through anything, are there any books that you can share with them? You know, there, I know, I know Kira, you have one you like about the, this emotional intelligence framework. So I'll let you share that. But as far as young adults, there are, there are some, some great books. If parents are looking for resources, um, doing life with your adult children by Jim Burns is really great. Okay, I I like the subtitle. It's, Uh uh, I might get it not perfect, but it's like, keep the welcome mat out and your mouth shut. (laughs) And uh, so it's, it's really kind of about this balance that we have to strike once our, as our kids grow of years, I'm still really welcoming of you. I respect you. We've created this trusting relationship, but I'm no longer going to automatically volunteer all my input and advice. I'm going to wait to be invited in, like I was talking about earlier. And, and if you, and if you can set this up and like I said, it's not too late, you can set it up. Sometimes it's hard for us to ask the question, you know, I've got a teen who's shutting down and to have to ask the hard question, is that maybe because of the environment I set up that they maybe don't want to come to me? That's Mm. hard. But if we can work to create that safe environment, then we can keep the welcome mat out and hopefully be invited to give our input. And then we can open our mouths. But I like that. Keep the welcome mat out and, and, and keep your mouth shut. Because it does. It, the, the role changes for us as parents where we go from really that person who's speaking into their life a lot to more of like a guide and a coach. Mm. And, and then eventually to more of just kind of a resource for them because they might, they might not know how to do their taxes or they might sell a car for the first time and go, gosh, I don't know how to transfer the title of a vehicle registration. Yeah. I, I'm going to ask my parents they've lived life you know so we we get this neat opportunity to be the people they choose to come to if we don't insert ourselves in an uncomfortable way during these really important years brilliant brilliant and what sort of lessons have you learned because you've got you've got four teen teenagers young five five five. Uh what lessons have you have you learned Dina with with all five of them if you don't mind me asking. Oh yeah. I mean, the lessons have been huge. The other thing that makes my lessons interesting is I'm in a blended family. So not all of my kids are ones I gave birth to. Uh, and so navigating being a step parent has also taught me a lot, but here yeah. are the two biggest things I would say that I've learned. Number one with my bio kids, the, the kids I gave birth to my biggest lesson has been, you cannot overstate the importance of a foundation but people are too quick to understate how important it is to start even if it's late. So what I mean by that is I did some things really well when my kids were little. We implemented chores. We had a great system for manners. I had my values list on the fridge. I was parenting toward it. Uh We were doing great. There were other things I was not as great at. And and one of which is my, my my two bio kids are biracial and we didn't talk enough about it. And they told me so later. They gave me feedback about that. And what I've learned is, okay, I can't overstate that laying that foundation was great, but don't undersell the fact that it's important to start if you've missed the boat on something. Mm. So, so we've started having the conversations about what is it like for you as a mixed person and as a brown person and your mom's white and like, how's that look? Better to start than to just go, well, I guess I missed it. And that's what we're saying here too, even with the communication and setting up that emotionally safe environment. So that's Mm -hmm. one thing I've learned big time with my bio kids and and with all five, the power of inviting feedback. Because the reason I found that out is I asked my kids regularly, what am I doing well? Mm -hmm. And where are the things you think I could grow? Where do you think I could improve as a parent? Fantastic. With my stepkids, my one big lesson was letting them set the tone and the pace. So as much as I wanted to be one big happy family, 
it, it takes time. Mm. I, I, we, we think blended family is kind of a misnomer. It's more like a crock pot, like a slow cooker. Yeah. <laughs> it's really slow for everyone to kind of figure out where they fit in this new family. And if I tried to push myself on my stepkids, let's go hang out. Let me take you to lunch. That was some, maybe a little too much too, for them in much, the beginning. Yes. Yeah. So letting them really set the tone for how they invited me into their world as this new adult really paid dividends. Yes. So I would say those are my biggest lessons. Amazing. Amazing. Kara, any lessons? I mean, mine are mine. So but what I loved about what Dina just said, so I'm just going to talk about how much I love Dina. Cause I don't know if I mentioned at the top of the show, but I really love her. Um, so two things. One is that idea of course correcting that it's never too late to start. And here's the thing I love about it beyond what she said. <clears throat> we are models for our children. Yeah. They, they absorb so much of the way we move through the world that we don't even realize. And when you can model for your children, Hey, you know, I didn't do that well. And I'm going to start now. Mm. You are teaching them. It is never too late for you when you're an adult to yes. go, I didn't do that. Great. I'm going to start now. now. Yeah, you are yeah. empowering them for the rest of their lives to know that they are okay to make course corrections. And you know how much I love normalizing that it's normal. It's normal to get <laughs> stuff wrong and to have to go, oh, I got that wrong. Yes. I'm going to I'm going to work and grow and get better at it. That exactly. piece is huge. And then the other thing I want to say that I'm going to quote my friend Dina here, but because she talked about it, but she didn't give her amazing quote. So quotable, <laughs> quotable Dina, says to her kids, and I now say it to mine, okay. I would rather hear something hard than not hear it at all. Yes. And that, I mean, my kids have literally, I mean, they're nine. They have come to me and said, mom, I know that you'd rather hear something hard than not hear it at all. Yeah, so I yeah. need to share something with you. At yeah, nine, yeah. they have already learned that because of me saying it, because of the way that we communicate, right? So mm. I can't speak to the teen years, but I can say that that foundation that Dina talked about, I am watching it unfold yes. and I am seeing, I am already getting the dividends of that. Um, and that's a great example of, of something that, say that to your teens because it's true yeah. you know what we most of us would rather hear the hard thing yeah. than not hear it at all but then of course coming back to the key is when they tell you that hard thing that practice that i'm not shocked face yes oh, make, you. make sure you could win an oscar with your face <laughs> And, 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 but the thing is, if you invite that, I mean, Kira, thank you for bringing up the modeling and example piece. So critical, right? We're modeling, they're watching us Yeah. and this affects that. But also you invite the opportunity to practice your, I'm not shocked face, because if you <laughs> said, that. bring me all the hard stuff, throw whatever bomb you want to throw at me, then you get a lot of chance to practice saying, I'm so glad you shared that with me. Even if on the inside, you're like, what just happened? <laughs> That's brilliant. And like you said, it is so important to, um, you know, to, to, to tell them that you don't, you haven't got all the answers. You know, there's a lot of times I've got a 12 year old son and I, I'm very much like you. I sort of said to him from a very young age, I said, I don't care what you've done or what it is come to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care. And, you know, it's really set him up. He comes for me to me for anything and everything. And I, I just love that open space, that open communication. And if he does come to me and I don't know, I said, you know what? I don't know. But let, should we find out together? You know, because yeah. mommy don't I don't know everything, you know. And um, and I think that's important, knowing that you're not superwoman. You, you're not expected to know everything. You know, be it's OK to be vulnerable, I think, okay. is also important. 
Well, that, that is coming back to that piece though, that normalizing piece. They yeah. need to see that we are vulnerable. They need mm. to see that we don't have, like you said, we don't have all the answers because it helps them recognize it's okay when they don't. Yes. Right. If, if mom isn't perfect, if I, you know, struggle, if sometimes you see the world get on top of me too, and I share that with you and I say, Hey, I'm just having a hard day. My heart is hurting. You know, here's why then they know when they're having a hard day and their heart's hurting. It's like, well, this is a space where those things are okay. Cause even my mom has hard days where her heart is hurting, you know, letting our, not pretending to be who we aren't and who our kids can never be because we're setting them up then to have these expectations of themselves that aren't realistic. Let them go into the world being very clear that stuff's going to get hard Mm -hmm. and that's normal and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to have feelings about that. And that's normal. All of it's normal. I don't know know if I've used that word enough today on the show. (laughs) Normal, normal, normal. Oh, goodness. We're we're nearly nearly towards the end of the show, but I've just got a couple more um, other questions to ask you what three tips I mean you've given so many sort of tips and advice but what three tips or pieces of advice would you give a teenager or a young adult yeah so th- I, I imagine because this is often how we work Kira may want to yes. piggyback but I'll just share them yes. so one if when I'm even speaking to my own five we talk about these a lot so the first one is please let us know what you need your parents probably really want to know what you need. And that can even include things like setting boundaries. Maybe it's, I need you to not come in my room without knocking. Could you please knock first? Just like I respect you and knock. I mean, it could be as as simple as something like that, but we actually want to know how we can serve you. So I say to my teen and young adult kids all the time, please let us know what you need and how we can best serve you. So Mm. that's one, let your parents know, let them in, give them a little window into what you need. They will probably Uh appreciate it. Number two, I hinted at a minute ago, but it's that communication is key for how you're going to navigate the world as an adult. So guess what? You have a unique opportunity. If you are blessed to be in a family with parents, that is a great practice ground to kind of flex the muscle of communication, learn how to talk about feelings, learn how to work through situations that are hard, maybe even sometimes have to do some problem solving Mm. with a member of your family. But since communication is gonna be key with how we interact with colleagues, with friends, with bosses, with a partner, if we have one one day. That's it. Use the family is a great place to practice. And so communication is key. And then the third one is that asking for help is not a sign yeah, of weakness. That's it. I, I think, you know, unfortunately in the Western world, this is a thing. We're very individualized culture and we can too often kind of have this air of like, I've got this, I'm not going to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And then that leaks out onto that next generation. And they think, oh, I don't, I shouldn't talk to anyone about it. It's going to make me stand out or I'm going to be maybe ostracized or teased when really asking for help is authentic. Yeah. It's vulnerable, but it's actually a sign of strength, not weakness. It mm-hmm. takes some courage to say, hey, I'm struggling yeah. and I need help. So that's Beautiful. what I would say. Wonderful. My three, <laughs> it's time for my three. Uh, I love all those. Those are gorgeous. Yes. Uh, my, my three are a little different, but much of a muchness. Um, the first one is, I say this to my kids all the time, ask for what you want. You definitely won't get it if you don't ask. Yeah. And we talk about this all the time in our house. You have nothing to lose by asking. If you can accept a polite no, that's great. But ask because 90% of the time, actually you'll get it. So never be afraid to ask for what you need and even ask for what you want. As long as you're gracious, if you get a no, you can always ask. Always, always, always. 
Yes. Um, my second one is we are all walking coping skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all a result of our childhood and yes. how we've learned to move through the world and how we've learned to cope. So when you are seeing someone else behave in a certain way, yeah. look and ask yourself, what coping skills am I seeing? Mm. Not good guys, bad guys. We talk in my house all the time about the bad guys are just people who didn't develop good coping skills. <laughs> um, you know, the Joker, something happened in his childhood. And <laughs> if we looked close enough, we would figure out what it is, but helping our kids learn to empathize and be compassionate and recognize the humanity in other people that they themselves have that is going to help your relationships that's going to help you be forgiving of others and of yourself the more we recognize that we're all just walking coping skills the better we can get at that forgiveness compassion and empathy piece um and then i guess number three (laughs) uh, would be that um your parents are also walking coping skills. Mm-hmm. They're still <laughs> uh, working, working things out. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the concept of growth mindset, the concept of being willing to grow as a human, that is what's going to make people want to be with you and be your friend. If you can be someone who's capable of wanting to grow, welcoming growth opportunities, no matter how hard they are, and not being afraid of the feelings that that brings up for you, you are going to be the kind of person that the world wants to be around. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Brilliant. Oh, that's fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, that's just giving me goose pimples. That is. <laughs> couple more questions I mean you know future focused parenting you you guys are doing great things what what is your mission that's a great question do you know what's our mission what do you think (laughs) well I mean I think it's kind of this two this twofold thing we we say all the time that and Kira actually got our little phrase in there but we talk about being preventative rather than diagnostic proactive rather than reactive so we're about creating families that can be intentional and proactive. So they're parenting on purpose with that why, and they're also looking to the long range. So that's one piece of it is the actual nuts and bolts. But then the second piece is the result of that. And that is, we really want to help families thrive, not just survive, as you said in our bio, that Uh is key to us. We don't want parents feeling like they're white knuckling their parenting and not enjoying it. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of our message even today. You know what? You can enjoy the teen years. I think Mm -hmm. there's not enough people saying that. Like this can be a really lovely time where you say, wow, I'm watching the person you're becoming Mm -hmm. and I get a front row seat. It's amazing. (laughs) Brilliant, 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 brilliant. And before we wrap up, Last question. I always ask this question. What's the most important message you would like to leave with us today? I know you've given so many tips and everything, but what's your final, your final message? The final thought. Final, final thought. Wow. Well, I think uh, for the parents, I, you know, the, our little tagline for our show, stop raising kids, start raising adults. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking about this moment and think about who you're trying to raise who's the person who's going to be your legacy out in the world, like no pressure, but you know, but that, that shift, that mental shift Dina talked about earlier, if you can shift from surviving this moment into long range thinking, who's the adult, who's the adult, who's the adult, it will transform your parenting. Brilliant. Great. Wonderful. 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 Oh, girls, that was great. I really enjoyed that. That's brilliant. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, we have a freebie for your listeners if they're interested. Okay. Um, so 
people are interested, we um, we have a very cool freebie, actually. We've got, it's two things. Uh, it's a video called The Three Essential Strategies for Raising Adults. Okay. And then we have a 12-month calendar of character traits. I will warn parents, it's a little bit geared toward younger kids, okay. but there's a lot of stuff in there that I think would apply to teens. And most importantly, it can really help get you started on building that values list that we talked about earlier. So every month we take a different value, integrity, kindness, wisdom, uh-huh. and we break it down into how do we talk with our kids about this? What are some resources that we can go to to look at at this particular value? Uh, what are activities we can do with our kids? Um, what are the questions really we should be asking of ourselves? Are we modeling this well? So there's a lot of good stuff in there and it's 12 different character traits over 12 different months. Um, totally free. So if you're, Amazing. if you go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Raising Adults Podcast. So bit.ly slash Raising Adults Podcast. Um, it signs you up to our monthly newsletter and it gives you that awesome freebie. So if people are interested in that, that's a great way to kind of get to know us. And also if you're interested and you obviously like podcasts because we're listening to this one, um, the Raising Adults Podcast, um, we do a different topic every week and we always start with our why. Uh-huh. We always start with the intention for us individually and then we go really quickly to the tangible tools and tips. So so if people are interested in that, that's a great resource too. Wonderful. There you go, listeners. There you go. This is a check. Check Karen, you know, <laughs> Dina out, you know, more resources, you know, more tools and uh, yeah, just, yeah, check them out. And I, I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did and got some value out of it. And as always, just, you know, remember to share this podcast, you know, to those who you think will benefit. Let's get the message out. And our parents, let's help our, you know, our teens, our young adults succeed. And again, just remember to check out my link in my bio and with all my social media links and visit my uh, website. So until next week, keep learning, live fearlessly, practice gratitude and love unconditionally. This is Carol Oakley. Peace and love to you all. Bye.